Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today's topic was filtering information. Our guest was Ben Prentice. Ben is the owner and head coach at Prentice Performance in Stanford, Connecticut. I really wanted to talk to Ben about this subject because every single time I talk to Ben, he brings incredible levels of insight of things that he's researching or exploring or learning about. And I've always been curious about how does he come to that conclusion that that's a good resource or that's a good thing to research or that's something that he should just spend time trying to understand. Ben gave incredible insight. He did not disappoint. I really hope you enjoyed this one because I thought Ben was incredible in terms of sharing his stance on how he goes through information and utilizes it in his setting. As always, check out our website, phpodcast.com, to go into our modules. I hope you guys enjoy this, and I'll see you guys on the other side. All right, everybody, how are we doing? we got Ben Prentice today. Today, we're going to talk about filtering your information. One, thank you, Ben, for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Two, let's go ahead. Let's uh, introduce yourself and uh, let the world know who you are. Thank you. I uh, appreciate having, you, uh, having me. And uh, you and I have had a relationship for going now probably, I don't know, almost 10 years, probably eight, 10 years, something like that. Um, I've been... Um, a strength coach for 25 years. I, um, depending on how long you want this to be, I basically was my, my father in uh, 1972 moved us from Connecticut to Venice beach, California. So he could work out at gold's gym and become a member there. And so I literally grew up in a gym and, uh, he was a power lifter, uh, California state champion, uh, power lifter and, uh, grew up, a around powerlifting and bodybuilding and, and became an athlete myself and through all of that got into strength and conditioning and um in about 1995 i ran into charles poliquin through all of his articles and media and seminars and reached out to him to uh, ask if i can intern and he, he allowed me to intern for three summers um, while that was going on, I basically found, uh, 1999, um, I opened up my own gym, which at the time, no one ever heard of a sort of a personal training gym. It didn't exist. There was, you know, I can't tell you how many times people came in and would say, you know, this is never going to survive. What is this? You have to make an appointment. Um, there's nobody else here, you know, that kind of thing. So opened my gym in Darien, Connecticut in 1999 was there for 16 years. And uh, then I moved into a, a 11, 12,000 square foot facility in Stanford, Connecticut with 40 yards of turf and a huge gym area and that kind of thing. And uh, in December, right before kind of all this stuff happened, we celebrated 20 years of, of being in business, uh, in, in the gym business. I, um, I'm a strength and conditioning consultant for the New York Rangers. I was the head strength coach, uh, director of performance at Boston University for their hockey team for two and a half years. Uh, I have four uh, prep schools that I, uh, I work for, and on top of that, uh, doing my own business. So that's a nutshell. So you, you, needless to say, you're pretty busy right now. Uh, well, right in general, I would, right at this current moment, no. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if you recall this, but I was actually at a Lico seminar at, with Charles in East Greenwich, and I just went up to you randomly. I was in the bathroom, and I just said, "Hey, I'm Tim Karen. You were really nice, like really nice. You're like, oh, great to meet you. Very awkward to meet you here right now." <laughs> um, but I was like, I can't remember that, by the way. "Yeah, you're the guy in all the PICP manuals. This is yeah. great. Like, like it's like a legend." So I thought that was like really funny. But you were very nice, and I remember down the road when I got to Army, I was like, I, "I'm gonna just." go on a limb here and to see if you would ever like let me come by and visit and you did it was awesome and you have a beautiful facility and just your hospitality was amazing and uh it was awesome um and i'm going to get into a reason why i think like specifically like this is you know what i thought about you when i was thinking about this module of filtering your information but before that um which i think is very fitting like are you like researching or reading anything that's just like man it's getting you excited or are you going through anything right now you want to share Sure. I mean, yeah, I'd like to share the topic in that I know that's a favorite question for people to ask me or other mentors or, you know, what are you reading? What's this? What's that? And, you know, 
I think with a lot of it, it has to do like for what book I read might not be beneficial to you or to your, your, even if there are strength coaches or personal trainers, um, because it might not resonate with you or you might not read it the same way, or you might not take it the same way. So with that being said, you know, I, I am reading, um, I'm reading two. I, I basically, what I do is I, I read three books at a time you know, the one's in the bathroom, one's in the dining room table and one's in my office. Um, and then, or one's on books on tape, uh, you know, on audio kind of thing. But for the most part right now, what I'm doing, which in my career, what matters the most. And for the past three years is I basically just read research. Um, and what that's been doing from, I, I'm fortunate enough at Boston university with, at, uh, with the Rangers and, and then at my own facility, is I can have guys do the dirty work for me, so to speak. We have sports scientists that will do get all the research. So if I can say, you know, whatever the case, give me the correlation from front squat to back squat, or um, what is uh, the, the the percentage from power clean to front squat? That whatever the case may be, um, you know, give me is is what is the benefits of cycling for ice hockey if there is any or whatever. And then they'll research it for me and more than just, you know, Googling, whether they're using um, service sites or whatever. But so I have, you know, a, if you saw my desk, literally, you know, a stack, you know, a foot high of just research papers. And I go through all of them and, and I constantly go through them and I try to find something in there, whether it's something that resonates with that hasn't been done or something that is saying, yeah, you know what, you're on the right path rather than uh, obviously we're going to touch on all these things, but you know, relying on somebody else in a book, because just because somebody writes a book doesn't necessarily mean that they're an expert by any means, or that they're going to be able to help me with whatever I'm doing. So, you know, the books that I'm reading, um, resilient, um, and, and range are the two books that I'm reading right now, um, along with all of the research that I have and, and continuing with anatomy. Um, what I do with anatomy is I typically have little cue cards with actions and insertions and origins, and I keep those around too to, you know, again, 25 years in the business and still, and it helps me when I, when I quiz the, my coaches. I have nine coaches that work for me. And, and we're constantly going over that. So currently um, I'm, you know, instructing my coaches once a week on Zoom. We're doing online uh, and then I'm in charge of all the curriculum. So whether it's trying to find something new or to reiterate the, the stuff that we're doing is, is kind of what's going on. You know, I remember when I came and visited you at your Stanford facility and you know, when, when we got past like the, you know, the, the niceties of, Hey, how you doing? And go through the background. You started just going in on different areas where you've evolved. Right. And one of the ones were like specifically like FRC and then some other stuff of like some tools that you were implementing in your training program. Right. Some of the, some of the flywheel stuff, some of the like different implement stuff. And, and I remember like, I have not been in the industry as long as you, and you're more willing to try something and more, just capable of seeing it fit into your overall system. And, and in that point right there, like this was like, I think my first year of being a head strength coach and you being, like you said, 15 years or even upwards to like more than that, counting all the stuff you did with Charles and all the stuff you did with your father and in the industry and still willing to find more complete or more, more nuance into how you can provide higher level service. It just hit me like, holy crap. Like I'm not doing enough work on my own of like really investigating stuff to do with my clients and athletes which is always like i just thought it was so impressive and like you could easily say i can rest on my laurels i can be this and i'm done and be fine right but you're not you're never comfortable which you think is obviously evident what you just said um so it kind of leads me to my my next question is like you know obviously we can go a million different directions with yeah. any of these training components yeah. like why is it important to filter some of your information and get to some sort of like distilled out process Sure. I mean, again, super, we need to filter that filtered question. Um, but the, the point is, is, um, you know, the, 
it, you know, if you want to become successful in what you're doing, sorry, um, whether it be in our industries, uh, let's just talk about our industry. The problem is, is that there's a lot of successful people that don't know anything. So meaning they don't know anatomy, they don't know exercise science, they don't know weightlifting, they don't know bodybuilding, they are, you know, for lack of a better expression, jack of all trades, master of none. And what they do bring is either personality or looks or whatever the case may be to influence. Now, you don't just have to influence via Instagram or Twitter or social media, you can Instagram by a book, by a podcast, whatever the case may be. So the point being, you know, when I, when I would, you know, 20 years ago, when I, when sports illustrated came to my gym and, and, you know, sports illustrated was a big deal back then. I'm showing my age. Um, but you had to earn that by being successful. And now you don't have to do anything for people to know you to be successful. So, you know, whether you have, you know, you can post a, that you ate a ham sandwich and you could have 5 million people view that or see that is, is beyond. Um, so for me, when I'm teaching my coaches um, that exact thing about how to filter, uh, in full disclosure, I am sort of my head in my sand in that Instagram, as, as people know, I don't even have Instagram, uh, a Twitter I don't post anything other than the success of or positive things on there or retweeting. I don't even say much there. And I don't, I've never been on Facebook. I don't put videos out. I had videos probably 12 years ago and I stopped doing that. And I basically don't do any, anything of that nature. So with me, it's about teaching the people that I'm trying to help um, better themselves and understanding that what you're seeing is, you know, and if we want to be specific, you know, certain things in terms of filtering, like, so for instance, how do, how do I filter what I just, uh, like, what does every strength coach do? They come in and show you, look what so-and-so just back squatted or look what she hip thrusted or, uh, you know, something to the, look what this guy power clean. Okay. Well, to filter that, we have to, the problem that I tell people with all of this is there's no context to it. There's zero context, meaning you don't know how many times this guy missed the lift. You don't know where in the workout that he did the lift. You don't know if that's all he did. Uh, you don't know if he trained this many days in a row. You don't know if he's uh, chemically aided, if he's not. You don't know, and, and for athletes, you don't know if whatever you just saw is actually going to help him on the field, on the ice, whatever, and have transferred to sport anyway. All you know is that so-and-so, you know, squatted a lot of weight. So now for me, if that's the only thing you want to see for your entertainment, I think now especially you realize that there's a lot better things you can do with your time than just – faulting back to scrolling through looking at a different uh, position in, in, in your video in terms of squats or whatever the case. So that's what I try to tell guys is like, look, we don't have any information on, on, on all of these things on how are they being successful with this. So if it, 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 it provides nothing when you break it down like that. You know, as, as we kind of like get into this concept, we're thinking young coaches, right? But we're also thinking older coaches that are maybe getting exposed to stuff like that, right? And you realize that if you don't have a rapid and accurate filter, you know, you could become like, you know, really, really susceptible to falling prey to like someone is a guru or someone who has a lot of anecdotal evidence. And, you know, that process is really dangerous, you know, but you know, what I find really interesting about your case, because uh, I think a lot of people will use the excuse on social media, like, oh, well, that's how I find out about FRC. That's how I find out about like Aldoa. Like, that, that's how I find this stuff, which, you know, is a, like the analogy I gave in the module is like sifting for gold. Like, you're going to have to sift through a lot of dirt to get to that gold in Instagram, you know? So how do you, like as a coach, like, is it word of mouth? Is it like your coaches coming up to the ranks? Is it people that you respect and admire get to some of the conclusions of, Hey, I need to investigate a little bit more in some of these areas. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit outdated in that I, I, I've always, my whole career have survived on, I know this is a novel concept these days, but results. And, you, you know, how do you get people? Well, you, first of all, you work your butt off and you have patience, meaning, you know, people come to me all the time, young coaches, and they say, hey, I want to train pro athletes or, you know, I want to own my own gym and I want to do it next week. And when it comes to how do I do that? All right, well, first you intern. And okay, well, what am I going to do in my intern? You're going to collect data. You're going to become good at collecting data, which will become useful to me. You're going to get good at cleaning the gym, which is going to be useful down the line and when you own your own gym. You know, when I own my own gym, going through Hurricane Sandy, Hurricane Irene, um, <clears throat> floods, I had a fire, uh, 9-11, which in my area, literally I had three people in the gym that were in the buildings that had family die. Um, these are things that totally affected our gym. And, you know, there are times where uh, for years I cleaned the toilet and I cleaned the floor and the windows and wrote the programs and there was no front desk and made the appointments and took all the time that quote unquote business experts would tell me, as a waste of time because it's taking away from my other skills, but I, I had to do what was best for my gym. And so when I ask an intern to, you know, clean up or wipe something down and they don't want to be bothered with that with rather than training somebody or when they, they don't want to do the process. And the point is that's long winded, but that's the point of filtering is that, you know, you have to go through the process first to understand what to filter and what to, what to filter out. So for me, you know, I know, you know, what I could see in two seconds, I could go, Oh, that's bullshit. Or this is, this is something that, you know, when I go to a seminar to me, the best way to learn something from somebody is to intern under that, because you're going to be able to see what kind of person they are, how they're going to treat you, what their expectations are. And obviously if you're going to intern, that's somebody that's that you deem successful. And then if you're spending a week, a month, you'll be able to make those judgments on, oh, here's how this guy squatted, you know, X amount of weight or vertical or uh, box jumped or whatever, because you saw the process of how it was done and you saw the work that went into it. And then at the end of the day, instead of just looking at Instagram and saying, I want to do that, you know what? You might say, hey, this is, this is too much work for me or uh, this isn't enough money or you know, I didn't realize this is how this process went. And you're, you know, you're in the gym 10 hours a day and you took a 10 minute lunch. Um, you know, I had a kid, he graduated, got his master's in exercise science this past, uh, summer. I don't want to say that he'll know who it is, but I'm not going to say the school and everything, but he was working for me for two weeks and, you know, we're like six sessions in. So beating an hour in, and obviously they all run late in summer. We're busy with athletes. And he says, Hey man, when are we going to have lunch? And I could, you know, I looked at him incredulously and I said, you know, we'll have a 20 minute break and that's it because we're running late. Ah, 20 minutes, man. You know, and I said, and I looked at one of my pro guys who was with me and the guy just shook his head and he said, this kid's never going to make it. And sure enough, a week later, you know, I had to let him go because he was not getting long enough lunch breaks. And, you know, that's a small microcosm of the point of this is a, a he spends all his time looking at his phone, looking at videos. And, you know, he, he came to me as somebody who doesn't do all that. And, you know, we typically have 10 interns a summer and we end, and this is the total truth. We end with two to three out of 10 in three months that 10, they can't make it. And, and it's not like we're driving a hard ship. So, um, you know, getting them to understand those 10 people get dwindled down to two. And those two have gone through the filtration process of understanding here's what's important. Here's what's not important. And specifically meaning all of the, like, no, we're not going to stop in the middle of a set to, uh, ruin the integrity of this set or this workout to make a video. Because what is that saying to your athlete or your client? hey, you're not as important to me as the general of getting somebody else in. And I don't want any athlete, whether it's a general pop 
or one of my pro athletes to feel that they're not the most important person hour after hour. And I feel that way 25 years into it rather than, Hey, let me shoot a video so I can get more clients or I can, you know, show this, um, I can show this to somebody in a braggadocious way, which by the way, to me, always backfires in the pro athlete world because then people come back and then go, Hey, look at so-and-so he's having a terrible year and he was working with so-and-so and, you know, look at the exercises they were doing or such. So that's a, a little bit of how we go through it. You mentioned a couple things in there that I kind of really pulled from that. Uh, one time is very limited, right? And, uh, depending on where you're at, like you need to get better at doing a needs analysis, right? So you mentioned your young coaches coming through and working their way in and realizing what their primary job description is, right? So their job is to support and to facilitate and get more and more traction with you and your setting and with your clientele and, and making you through that process. You know, in doing so, hopefully you have a much better platform to make money doing this or get to that, you know, second order consequence of, I want to open up a gym or I want to work with elite level athletes. Like you're missing the big thing in between then and now is you're not doing the quote unquote thing that you need the most, which is work and being in front of athletes and clients and working on the craft of coaching, you know, so that kind of creates this other platform of, you know, most people, you know, and you can go through the old adage of like, they don't care, you know, how much you know until they know how much you care. But the truth is at that point, that person who has a master's degree, has obtained probably as much knowledge as he probably ever needs to, to train athletes effectively, but he's missing the one fundamental aspect is actually how to practically apply it, which it's funny how he doesn't realize that, you know? Um, but to the point of the next kind of question I would want to go into is like, you know, you mentioned that like, Hey, we're working sun up to sun down, like at certain points of the year, like the reason why I think it's really like, why I thought this would be such a really cool concept to go on with you. Like you're not using that as an excuse to not like continue, continually educate yourself. Like you're still reading, you're still going through resources, right? You just need to be a lot more strategic on what you're going through in that period. You know? So like that filtration question I have next for you is in these periods, these dog days of summer, you know, and you're still finding time to get work in to continually improve your ability to coach and understand at a higher level. How do you get to that? Like, all right, this is important. I read this even for five minutes today, or how do you get to that outcome of like, I need to look at this information because it's going to help me in this period of time. Yeah. That the answer to that depends on the person. Meaning if, it, if you're, if it's me in, uh, you know, 1998 or I'm, I'm 27 years old, then I need to, <laughs> I need to see the world with bright eyes and I need to absorb as much as I can from all different sources. Meaning at that time, like, look, the whole thing about you, know, we're talking about filtration comes down and, and social media and all the, your, the, you know, the topic at hand here, all in my opinion comes down to ego and it comes down to people who love to see it. Come, I don't remember exactly your listeners or you can look up the, the phrase, but it's, it's a great one by Mark Twain. And it's something to the effect of, you know, in my twenties, I did all this because I thought everybody cared in my thirties. You know, I realized only half of them cared. And when I got in my forties, I realized nobody cares. And, and, you know, it's something to that align. And, and, and that's the point is like, when you really, when you really break it down, nobody cares, you know, nobody cares. Like you have to do what's best for you. Yes. You know, you're going to meaning I care, like I care about helping people. You care about helping people. But if you, you know, nobody cares what you ate for breakfast or you, you ate for, or whatever the case may be, what you're trying to do is, you know, if you're an influencer, yes, I guess they do care. But in this situation, meaning when I'm 27 years old and I want to become a great trainer, that's not going to help me. So how do I realize that's not going to help me? That only comes as you get older. So my answer, the point is what I can filter stuff now easier than I could then because I've gone through the experience of making mistakes, wasting time, learning and going down rabbit holes that aren't that didn't help me so now i know what sources i can look at meaning like i said 
I can just save people a lot of time there by like saying, okay, Ben said, you know, just read research. Well, that's Ben having read, like you can see behind me, thousands of books and, and research and, and things that I've done to the point where now reading research helps me more than maybe a book on the topic. It doesn't mean I'm not going to, but I'm going to emphasize that more where a young kid, he needs to search out not just, you know, the whole point of ego that I make is that I'm not saying just listen to me. If you pay me to come for an internship, I'm not going to tell you just do what I do. What I'm on to teach you to become a good coach or a good person, and that's learning and filtering out a lot of different things. So read this at source. Go to this. Go to this seminar. Oh, that guy. You don't like that guy. Well, that doesn't matter. See what he's doing, so maybe you can understand why you're not doing something. Uh, you know, eat this food when normally you wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, use this supplement uh, if you haven't done your blood work. And then if you have done your blood work, then you go about it differently. So in the beginning, you subject yourself to a lot of different things and put yourself out there. Then if you're fortunate enough to become busy, then you have to filter it down to a point where you're only going to use, you know, the Bruce Lee, uh, absorb what is useful, discard what is not. And, and and as you get older and wiser and you've realized what works for you, then you stick with that. Because again, then it becomes being organized and, you know, telling each person that comes in, we have exactly, this is what I want you to do. I mean, one thing that I've learned over the years is you can't be vague. You know, you can't be ambiguous. You have to say to somebody, Hey, this is what I expect of you. And then this way, if they don't, you can say, when you can come back, you did not meet these expectations. Here's what I expected you. And here's what do you need from me to make you better? And here's what I can do for you. So those are the type of things. Rather than just handing somebody a stack of books where, again, that's not going to necessarily, you know, they always want to say, just what book should I read? Well, read this, this, and this, but then you need to learn these anatomy. And then guess what? At the end of the day, just like a doctor in our craft, if you could be the smartest, meaning you can know every origin, action, insertion. You can know the force velocity curve back and forth. You can, you know, you can know every possible thing there is to know about exercise science, but you could still be a terrible coach because you might be unbearable. Your personality might be awful. You might be too much um, not a people person, whatever the case. So you might not be relatable. We're in a relatable context. So all of those things have to come in play. And, and again, it only comes with experience. You know, everybody wants it now and everybody wants to be able to attain these things. But it, it's the long haul, man. It's the long road. You mentioned in the beginning, which is kind of ironic that, you know, there's no one book, but you kind of talked about range, which if yeah. you haven't read it, is like the anti-early specialization. Right? Exactly. Which, when you look at it, and it kind of just dawned on me as you were talking, like one of the big problems, and this is a frustration all like experienced coaches have with interns, right? Like of they want to early specialize and they want to be like a one trick pony way too early. And you learn that's a really poor strategy, right? Like, you know, the shortcomings of that, like if you're only capable of doing one thing, you're never really going to reach the level. And it's like almost like what you decided just organically is like almost that same trajectory of like, at first, I was, you know, bright eyes and I was looking at everything as a possibility. And then I've gotten a lot more strategic as I've gone along with my career. I'm like, okay, I need to learn this specific aspect in this area in this moment and nothing more. Like, I'm just going to omit the garbage and the trash and all that other stuff. So, like, which I guess is a kind of point to go into right now. Like, would you say, like, young coaches would be really benefited from taking the Epstein, like, range approach and, like, the avoiding early specializations and then learn where you're going to be in the future? I truly do believe that. I mean, and, and, and a part of the research that I read, as you know, and strength coaches know, you know, it's LTAD, you know, long-term athletic development it, it is a thing. And, you, you know, we don't need to get into all of it, but it basically shows, the research shows that there's, you know, four to six, six to eight, eight to all these motor learning, all the agility, all of these things that if it, you know, in certain sports are not early specialization sports. And, if you don't learn how to move and uh, react and do all these, so 
then you're you're going to um, not only not be a better athlete, but your motor learning, um, you're more prone to injury. All of these things, I truly believe, and and the research behind it. And I live in a world where parents want to live uh, vicariously through their children and want these kids to you know play whatever. In, in my world, it's hockey. And again, hockey is not an early specialization sport. And if a kid plays hockey, which I see, you know, from the age of four up and nothing else, the imbalances, the overuse injuries that they'll see growing up. And very rarely do these kids make it in, in the pro sports world. And again, that book kind of touches on all that, that the, the, the child that is more well-rounded um, is the one that's going to become better uh, and be able to learn their craft. And, and that's not just an athlete and athletics. I mean, you can look at that at a lot of things. And yeah, that's exactly what I did is, and I can now funnel through where like, look, Hey, um, I tell my trainer, a coach who's 22 and just graduated college, this happened, uh, go to this seminar and I'll, you know, I pay for you to go to it. And well, why aren't you going? Well, for me, it's not that I know it all. It's not that maybe I could learn something, but at this time for me to take you know, a weekend off and lose money for this particular piece of information, it would be more advisable for you to go. You take notes on it. And guess what? As we all know from teaching effect, you're going to learn more by teaching it to somebody else as well too. So I'm teaching that kid not only to take notes, to learn from himself, but then he's got to turn around and teach it back to me which is going to help him absorb the information even more. So that whole process of me saving my time by working and now sending people out to absorb it. And, and maybe I learned something, maybe I don't, but at least he can now come back and say, well, we don't do this. We don't do this. And I can say, here's why we don't do it. I've spent years looking at that. And this is the reason why we're not going to do that. Or this guy does this. Well, okay. Again, talking about filtering, we filter, meaning you went to a seminar, you don't necessarily know that what that guy's doing is actually what he's doing in his practice. I mean, I've talked to many, many of successful people that write programs and do podcasts that say, or write articles that only write them to sell something rather than actually, like if you came to me one-on-one, -on -one, I wouldn't train you that way. But I need to glamour this up for media and I'm going to do it this way. So even a paid seminar is still going through a filtration process. So you have to understand that going in and then that you'll be able to take out. So that, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, what I find really interesting as you go further along and one of the things we talked about uh, in the actual modules for this, like this whole topic was, is there a practical way to apply that information? And you see this a lot, like, especially for the, trainers or the companies that start off training people and then try to repurpose their model to like sell to other people. And then they realize it's just more profitable to sell the model as opposed to the actual training people, or at least it's easier. I don't know how they want to perceive it. And then in order to become more attractive and their whole game is now getting repeat customers, which are now trainers and coaches, they have to give some sort of version or iteration of what they do in almost hypotheticals, right? It's not based off the time-tested, proven, like, this is what we do Monday through Friday, and we've learned a lot of mistakes in it. It's not battle-tested. It's mostly just, in theory, this would be really good. And how do you determine that? Like, like you can feel that in your gut, and you knowing that, like, being in this situation for 20 years with your contacts, your setting, your coaches, your trainers, you know, like, that, that process, like, I think that's an important thing to go through. Like, how do you determine if something is just, just a theory and, like, good idea on paper, but very impractical and flip it of like a great practical idea, but not really based off a of theory and determining which one it is and how you have the balance between the two. Yeah, that's a good question. And that goes, you have to, for me, how it actually goes to is I have, you know, X amount of contacts of whether it be resources or people that I trust. And that's number one. So meaning, and okay, so back up. Well, then how did you get to that point where those are the people that you can trust? Well, I went through a lot of people that I, I trusted that dis, that I distrusted afterwards, meaning you got to go through a lot of garbage. You don't have to, but meaning 
you, it's a way of learning. And so when I was in the beginning, I read a lot of books that I was like, you know, for instance, I have a book of the month club, so to speak with my staff. And a lot of times I give them a book of a, of a guy that I completely disagree with and they know it and you know, whatever we, I don't want to say disparage cause we don't do that, but they know this is somebody that I philosophically don't agree with. Well, why are you having us read this book? Because I want you to see that there's another point of view out there. And I want you to see there's other contexts because at the end of the day, poor athletes, poor general pop clients, meaning movement or whatever the case still can have can have success meaning you can be a bad trainer and you can still have a successful client because of their athletic capabilities so you know you can get you have to sift through that to get okay we want to take athletes but we want we want to have good athletes and we want to have good coaches rather than the other way so we get through. So the number one is when I interview somebody, I say to them, people say, well, what questions do you ask? Do I have stock questions? No, I don't have stock questions. I go through my gut. I used to have stock questions, but it ended up going off of the cuff. And I ended up realizing after interviewing, you know, I've probably interviewed, I'd say over a hundred people. Uh, and that's a lot for a, for a training job. And I've realized that over the years that the biggest thing is not what they know. It's more, you know, and it's hokey, but for me, it's whether this is a good person. And after interviewing this many people, I can figure, have I been fooled? Yes. But for the most part, my gut after, you know, we go through a two day process to interview somebody, my gut was pretty good in determining whether or not this is a good person. It's not just a sit down interview because that you can be fooled. So they come back, they spend a day with us, they eat lunch, we let them meet our people, um, you meet the other coaches, you see how they act, and then they're less to be putting on an act and more to be themselves. And then from that, I can hire people that I want to represent me, and then we can teach them what I know, and I can show them the resources, and then it's up to them to absorb it or not. And then if they do, you know, then it becomes, okay, now they're representing me, our brand, and now we've developed a system. And that's kind of the way to go about it. And, and, and now I've taught them how to be able to filter kind of like I have. But it's up to them to innately want to do it or not. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, we have all these rules in our gym about no social media, no phones, this, that, and the other. And yet my trainers constantly you know these are young guys in that generation the 25 to 35 or whatever and they constantly want to look at whatever youtube twitter uh instagram and again it's a in my eyes it's a waste of time that they're not getting smarter or better doing and then and then you know it's up to them though to definitively say at the end of the day in their free time yeah you're right this didn't make my life any better and um you know that's I can show them the way, but then it's, it's up to them to kind of figure that out. And I think this period of time has, you know, helped a lot of those guys in understanding that when we're being in touch and that, you know, being totally disconnected from social media for eight weeks for a lot of the guys and their lives are, are better in terms of enrichment than it was when they were just staring at their phones between every meal and whatever. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack there, and yeah. <laughs> you know, one of, one, one of the, uh, uh, the one of the cool things I think you said there was this, uh, like the interview process for you, and I, it just made me think about like the people that I've hired over the years, and I'm always like blown away by the coaches out there who like, like just cold call you, like you got anybody, like yeah, I like them, but it doesn't mean they're going to be good for you in your environment, right. you know, and. Uh, and it works out that way a lot, right? Like, yeah, I got a great guy for you, Ben. He'd be awesome for you. And you're like, dude, he's awful. Like, he's good for me in my situation, maybe not for you in your situation, which goes into this, like, next level of, like, your interview is your internship. Your interview is a lot longer than you think it is. It's everything included, right? It's not just this, like, one-hour conversation we have. It's this really elongated process. And I, we almost reframe the interview or the internship as this is an apprenticeship. And you know, we're looking at you as like 
a plumber coming in trying to get a job as a plumber would have to do under shadowing under someone. You got a baseline of understanding and then you need to be in the field. And what you realize really quickly is when your job is to fix pipes or do whatever it is that you do as a plumber, but knowing the nuance and knowing the intricacies of the business. And if you're in front of someone and our livelihoods predicated off of you just simply being nice and accommodating, that's a huge deal. And you can tell me all the right things until I actually see it, until I actually see like that two month process of getting up at 5 a.m. and being in there for like eight to 10 hours, knowing how you're going to respond in July of a summer internship to that person who just is needy and has a lot of requests and is having a crappy day themselves. And I need to see that firsthand. And you're within your right to be frustrated. Like I'm not getting paid a cent. Uh, I'm just getting worked over and this person's asking above and beyond, but how you respond to that really predicates whether I can see you as an employee with us one day or not. And uh, unfortunately, like it just takes time to build in that rapport and takes time to build in that, that camaraderie and that connectedness. Cause I can teach you anything, right? Like you can learn all the nuance of the training. That's the, that's the fun part. This is the part I expect I teach you how to live, right? That's the part that you should really want to do, which ironically sometimes doesn't work out that way. What I can't teach you is the character stuff that we know is going to be detrimental to our businesses or our programs. Like you've had situations where you've sent guys off with really high level teams and athletes, and you're hoping that they're going to represent you and, you know, Prentice, the Ben Prentice, like whole enterprise to the level and the standard that you want. And it takes time to do that. Right. So uh, I guess following up with that is, you know, how are you evaluating like that, that big part, you know, that dip, you know, the Seth Godin dip phase before it gets good or before it gets to the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that person and specifically their time management, is it to the point of like, do they start picking up the phone more often or is it like they just start getting lazy on some things and they start missing some stuff or is it, do they still have the energy enthusiasm to go out there and lift in that 30 minute segment they have between doing eight clients or, or like go read a book or something like that. How are you evaluating those guys and their stamina towards all this? Yeah, that's a good, it, well, it becomes, you know, like, like anything it's whether it's politics or, or food or what, you know, you can take a sentence and that, and, and have two people read that exact sentence and they'll, they'll come out of it with a different opinion. So, you know, that's kind of, I, I've had interns before where two of them start at the exact same time and they, had the opportunity, that's the key word, to learn the same amount and who chose to use more and absorb more and filter less and that kind of thing. So the long story of it is one is now, you know, my director of performance making a very good living, uh, bought a house, you know, things that in this industry, buying a house, putting your kid through college, raising a child, all of being as a, as a, as a coach or a trainer. Um, and then the other guy, you know, went the route of doesn't work for us and, you know, bounce from gym to gym and, you know, is not successful. And it's, it, it's due to the, the individual and, and I can't teach that, you know, and that my job is to only surround myself with individuals that I believe are going to make me better and make my gym better and, and make the other people better. So to do that, you know, after spending a couple of days and like you know, you brought up good points is that you can get an idea of, uh, of this person. But if in our business, if, if the person doesn't, which is a odd, so you get two people, you get the, you know, the Instagram influencers that have great physiques that have no clue what they're doing. And people listen to them um, because they have great physiques. Uh, and as you and I both know, you know, in our business, in the truly smart smart coaches and trainers are probably not the most known. I mean, a lot of times you can say, you know, so who's so-and-so and, and, and people won't even know who that is. And he's a great strength coach or he's a great trainer, meaning he gets his clients in great shape, whether they're athletes or general population people, he is there for them on a daily basis. He cares about them. He cares about every hour that he's training those people uh, he cares about the quality of his gym, meaning he keeps it clean and, and all of these things that don't necessarily happen. So, you know, whether the, that person is going to go the route of 
being into working out and eating right and, and all of those things, or just show up and train people. Now that, that might be enough, but for me, that's not enough. Now I don't need them to be Mr. Olympia or, you know, Dmitry Klokov, but I expect them to work out, live a healthy lifestyle. And, and, and it's good for the clients to see that as well as that that's what they're doing in their free time. Why? Because that's what I believe in. And that's what I want represented for me. And if you're just oddly in this business for some, and don't work out or don't eat right or, or don't recover and do these things that you're trying to teach others, it's very odd to me that you'd be in that. And you still might be successful as a coach, but just not for me. You know, uh, and it kind of just made me think why, like, I admire you so much and why, like, like you mentioned, some of the best coaches are the ones you probably have never heard of. You know, I, I really see this interesting, and this isn't a, a derogatory statement. The best coaches are the least well-rounded people. They're very yeah. obtuse. They're very focused. And not saying they're not intelligent, right? Like if you were going to have a conversation with any of your clientele about various topics like finance or real estate, like you could probably hold your own because you, you have intelligence, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have an interest in that. And, right. and it's not a bad thing if you do, just you find like, the people that I've least gravitated towards or really find a, like just have a high affinity for is the ones that are the least well-rounded, right? Like you can, you're showing your cards right now just by the image you have behind you of just how fascinated you are about strength, strength mm -hmm. conditioning, you know, and, um, and probably why, like, you know, a certain level, like you feel comfortable talking to me is because you probably know on the other end, is like a guy with equal curiosity towards this very simple subject matter. And it reminds me of, I had a couple of interns who were just great guys and really good work ethics. And they were talking about how they have no time to read or do these things that they like to do, like read fiction. And I was like, I don't have time to read fiction. It's just not real. And I thought that was hysterical, but I'm like, no, I'm dead, dead serious, man. Like there's so much like nuance and complexity to like every facet of like this, like mobility, nutrition, physiology, right. like even physics, like there's not enough time in our one lifetime to learn all of the variables of all of our things. And, I feel no. tremendous. And I, what I say, yeah. And what I say to that, like I, what I say to my clients when they sometimes ask me, they go, Hey, did you, uh, what'd you do this weekend? And I'm like, uh, you know, train twice, uh, did sauna, um, did some breath work, uh, read about three hours. And they're like, Oh, that's really fun. I said, well, guess what? Would you want me as your trainer that you're paying me X amount of dollars to be like going out to the bars or like, whatever the case, like, wouldn't you want, don't you want that from me? And that's kind of what I always say. It's like, if I'm paying, like, if I'm going to get, a, you know, my spleen removed, I want it to be from a guy who specializes in that. And that's what he is an expert on. Not like the guy is really, really good at golf, you know? So the point being, you're, I do the same thing. I mean, but it's also my passion. I mean, what your listeners don't understand is that we, you know, you and I were just shooting a shit for like 35 minutes before this even went on because it's something that we both have a passion for and that we can, you know, that you can pick up the phone anytime and call me and we'll just shoot the shit on the state of affairs of what's going on in our industries is because I truly enjoy it. And, and to me, that's a part of the learning process. And that's something that makes me who I am that I can't, you know, take you, the intern, and make me be me. And, you know, as somebody who mentors people, I don't want you to be me. I think when people, for instance, Charles Poliquin, who is a, a, you know, obviously a major, major influence in what we all did, I think when a lot of his uh, interns fell short in becoming successful is that they tried to be like him too much. And they tried to adopt his mannerisms and the way he is and any of people that are listening that know him is, you know, he was a, a man of many different adjectives and, and, and behavior. And if, you know, if you tried to act like him or be him, then it would, it would show through and people wouldn't respect you the same way. I learned on early on that I just wanted to be my own person. And, and, and in the strength and conditioning industry, sometimes being kind and, and, and warm hearted could be considered weak, you know, in what we do. And, and it didn't matter to me, you know, I, I want to and continue to 
want to treat people the way I wanted to be treated. And, you know, a lot of the people that come work for me do that. And then a lot of them don't. And, um, you know, so that's kind of the way that I want to go about my life and, and, and the way I want to be seen. And, you know, whether it's, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, to be a great coach, you don't have to be the smartest guy in strength and conditioning. You certainly need to know a shit ton and you certainly need to be doing your research if you want to train people on the most elite level. If, uh, if you want to be successful as an influencer, then you don't have to. Then you, that's when you, you know, we're talking about filtering. You know, if you want to be a strength coach, whether it be a trainer or a strength coach training team, team sport, you have to spend your whole life doing this if you want to be good because people are paying you for their livelihood for you to help them in that. Now, if you just want to have a 29 inch waist or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, an influencer giving you non-proven, no context exercises probably will be good enough. But if you truly want to be, you know, game changing, then you have to make it your life where, yeah, I mean, reading stacks of research isn't as fun as reading maybe somebody's autobiography or whatever. But the point is, I know if I'm not going to do that, I can't personally live with myself knowing that I'm not bringing everything to the table. And I know somebody else out there is. And to me, that drives me and some people that might not. At the beginning of this, you kind of talked about the outcomes that were like come up and present. Like, hey, I want to intern for you, coach, because I want to train elite level athletes or I want to have my own gym like yours one day. Um, and, and this is probably less of a question, more of a statement. But the difference being is all the things you just said, right? Like the, the hours coaching, the focus, the dedication to those hours coaching, the time spent doing it, right? It's not like you woke in 1999, you built this thing out and it's the same thing in terms of the level of service and the level of just the, the functioning apparatus that you have in terms of apprentice performance on a daily basis. Like it took time to build that out. It took a lot of trial and error. It took a lot of learning and educating and refining. And you had a really good platform to start with that between what you mentioned your father and Charles Poliquin. And then you had to go out there and learn on your own and have the courage to do that. But then there's a shot, which, you know, depending on how this is portrayed out there to the world, of you with this, this endless bookshelf, right? And like, you know, like that is in a sense the difference, right? So you're saying two parts. One, like you had really good pedagogy and really good platform. Like you probably had a better start than most from those two things you just mentioned from a, a father that was really into it, learning a lot of the industry ins and outs, and then going an intern for a guy like Charles. And having like the humility to go do that because it takes a lot of humility to go do that with Charles specifically. But you know there's <laughs> going to be a trade-off. And then you go off and do that. And then you're like, wow, holy crap, open up a gym. And I could say this firsthand. You don't know what it takes to be a business owner until you open it. And then you become a business owner and then you realize how little all the stuff you learned before that is just a plot practical, at least not until later, right? You got to figure out how you're going to get a client. You got to figure out how you're going to operate. Then you got to figure out who's cleaning the bathrooms. Oh, that's right. That's me. <laughs> and, then you, and then you do all this stuff, but then you look at the bookshelf behind you with all that stuff going on. Cause I know a lot of business owners that are literally just every single day, just trying to muster up enough to get, to keep the lights on another day. They're not worried about what they're reading and what they're going to like learn or what seminar to do. Just put that in the back burner, but you can see this like picture of you right now with these endless list of books and the research articles on your desk. And just, you're still like, making it happen and you know that process of that the outcome of like you want this okay here's what it's going to be willing to take this many hours of work with with clientele dedicated focus hours and then realizing like okay this is going to be a process it's not like a fixed thing regardless of who i learned it from and then on top of it i'm constantly going to be curious i'm going to go with this beginner's mindset i'm going to read i'm going to read i'm going to read until i get some better version of myself which is not the version i'm going to be next year and the year after which is just amazing man and you know, that process, I think, I think it's the whole point of all this, right? Like, Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yes, it is. And then it comes down to what do you want to do and what is important to you? So meaning I do all this because a, I love it. And I, I just can't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be acceptable to me to be mediocre. So meaning 
can, do I feel personally that I could help, uh, you know, more people than whatever the biggest influencer is in our industry? Absolutely. I feel that way. I feel that way because of my, uh, work ethic, my experience, practical, the, everything that I've done, but I'm not, it's not important to me to go chase that. Like it's not important to me that everyone knows who I am. It's not important to me to have followers. Um, it's important for me, for the athlete to know how much I care and how much I know and how much I can help them and trust them and they trust me. It's important for me that I obviously put food on the table and I provide from the gym and I want the respect of, of my trainers. And that's what's important to me rather than, you know, taking my shirt off and, 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 you know, doing a home workout and have followers that could make me more, not me, but it could make somebody more money than doing it the hard way. And, you know, depending on who you listen to, per, what expert it is, I still, you know, a four hour, I, to me, I've never seen anybody in our industry and I've been a lot longer than pretty much 95% of the people in this industry. I've seen them come and go. And the ones that I see go are the ones that always say, yeah, I've, I've been open for three years. Now I'm going to start, you know, uh, I'm delegating more and I'm going to start having, you know, I'm going to train less. And cause it, training is hard work and it, it's, it's taxing. And, but if, if you truly want to be great, I can't tell you how many 12, 13 hour training session days I've had when I was younger. And all of those times that made me what I am today. And, but you know, it's a different generation and people want to work less and have more reward. And I'm not sounding jaded. It's just, that's me and my choices. And my choice is to, you know, to, to, do all those things I mentioned rather than everyone knowing my name. Now, with that being said, have I done seminars? Yeah, I have. Well, one, people pay me. And two, I enjoy doing them. Um, but I'm not going out there marketing because that's not what I want to do. Now, if somebody wants to come to me and hire me uh, to do it, sure. If somebody like, like, do I do all podcasts? No, I don't. Um, because I, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy sharing information back and forth, but that's, what's important to me. So it's important for people to understand the difference. Like in our business, do you want to be, you know, the most successful or do you want to be, you know, successful and have integrity and, and to do what you want to do? So those are the kind of choices that you have to make as an individual. Yeah. I uh, yeah, again, another like really well, big answer to unpack there. Uh, that's uh, amazing. Um, you know, I think the big thing I want to maybe sure get across to everyone is like specifically about you and the thing I've always really like just really respected about you. Like if I come at you with an idea or like concept of like that, like the one thing I think is so like obvious is you don't hold yourself back and you don't hold back like your true honest opinion, uh, which... <laughs> Which don't like, I'd say they're complimentary, right? Like, because I think a lot of people tell you what you want to hear. And I think in training as well, right? You see it come out with like a trainer-client relationship of like, well, I know this is just easier to tell you the truth. And the same thing with you. You have nothing to gain from me by being successful. But you still feel like, all right, like it's in my nature to tell this guy the truth, regardless if he's comfortable with it or not. Like, and I could be pissed, but the same token too, it's like, it's actually harder for you to be honest in that setting, right? Like, some of the ideas like, Hey, I'm going to do group based strength training with adult gen pop. Like your initial reaction was, we'll see how that works out. And, yeah. I, like, and it made me think for a second. Like, but then oh, you remember I came back to you and I said, wow, you know, you told me your whole concept. And then I said, I did. And then I, afterwards I said, you know what, you might have something there and you, you might be in the right area. And then, you know, years later. So yeah. But just me going blindly into it and being naive to it was now like, okay, well, look, Ben's hat on right now like he's looking at this opportunity is like there's potentially some flaws in that logic and I'm like well maybe he doesn't view it from this lens or that but like I thought that was so good and you know like I, I really like one I'm just appreciative for that like you having the courage to be honest with me and anyone else that comes across your path like it takes a lot more out of you to be honest with people when it has nothing to serve you right like 
me being successful or failing doesn't change your life whatsoever, but you still have that, that just impetus to like, I'm going to tell this guy the truth. Like, I don't know if that strategy is going to work out. And maybe I wanted to like, I'm going to prove Ben wrong. Or I don't know, Ben doesn't know my body of work and what I'm capable of doing in front of a group or like my thought process. But either way, you know, that just telling me like the truth in that setting and what you've learned through trial and error and your experience and then just looking at the body of research, like that holds a lot of weight. And, you know, what I think in terms of like that process of working with elite level athletes or having a really high functioning gym or high revenue producing gym, like, you know, that comes from taking, making some hard choices and doing some harder that rather than easier things on a daily basis. And I just don't think you turn that switch on and off. It's you get what you get, like in, and everyone else, like, like, all right, like you need to take a little bit more of that onto you. Right. But you're also not hemorrhaging time on social media or doing things that are completely useless. Right. Like we only have so many hours in a given day we can work and be effective. And just how you're allocating that seems to be a lot better than most people I come across with, which is amazing because not only do you have the output and the, the pedigree and the rapport with high level athletes who seek you out, who pay you really good money to come train with you when they could go to anyone else, probably for free, but they still choose to go to you. Not to mention this too, of like, you can just rest on your laurels and you could just go, okay, I got it. I'm good. But you're still out there, you know, hitting the pavement, trying to find information and education and then still taking the time to get a guy who's not as experienced like myself as you and still saying, I don't know, it's probably not going to work out the way you think it is, but I'm pulling for you. And I just think that was like that premise right there, all that stuff combined. Like if you weren't as successful and you told me it probably wouldn't be successful, like, all right, man, what the hell do you know? But you told me like, Hey, this is going to be something that you probably have to work a lot harder than you think you're at. Like, which is what I got from it. And I wasn't discouraged. I was motivated. Um, but I just, that sat with me really, really a lot. And I, one, thank you for doing that. But two, like, you know, really, really good, like way to, if you're going to model yourself after everyone, like anyone model yourself after a guy like you who's working hard and doing it right. And it's just being honest and being respectful, but also like saying what you feel based off of, I got a lot of things that really have proven over the years. And I think this should be a little bit more weight in your head. So I just appreciate that. Um, last thing. Uh, in terms of this or any concept whatsoever, like what do you think is the most important like takeaway from a conversation like this for someone to walk away with? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we probably, we went a little off topic, but for me, I, I, I look at it as, you know, what would I, what would I want to hear from something? And the number one thing I want to hear from somebody, whether it's a podcast or book is I actually want to hear what actually goes on rather than this is, you know, what, meaning like I can tell you a bunch of stuff that I don't actually do because I want to be portrayed this way. I want people to perceive me this way when I want people to be perceived as they actually are. And I think we all be in a better place if the people giving out the information, meaning the mentors are giving out the mentees or the, uh, the, uh, the interns, the right information, meaning this is what I did rather than being worried about how I'm perceived. Like, Oh, this guy doesn't think I'm cool. Cause I don't train enough people in our world. Like, Oh, if I don't train enough athletes or if my team didn't win a conference title or whatever the case, I'm not deemed this, or I haven't done that. But if you're honest, I, I think what I want people to get out of it is whether you're teaching or whether you're learning, be honest back and forth of what you're actually doing. You know, one of the things I say all the time when I'm with my, my trainers is, Hey, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? And it's always, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got it. And they don't, and you don't have. It. So I go repeat back to me, teach me what, teach me what I just taught you. And then they don't. So whether they're in a hurry or whether they don't want to be perceived as not knowing it, you know, if you're a sponge and you're, when I first started, I'll never forget this because it resonated with me in my very first job. I was 23 years old. I just got out of college. I graduated on Friday. I went for my interview at a personal training place. that was like even before me. So this was, you know, uh, I don't know, like 1994, 1995. I, um, they, I went in and they gave me a test, you know, and I was, I got into it because I was an athlete. I love working out. I, I didn't know probably like most people, you know, working out and loving to work out is totally different than caring more about getting somebody else in shape. Right. So most people, when they come in, I say, look, 
why do you want to do this? Well, I love to work out. Well, that's a terrible reason because you're not working out. You're training somebody else and you need to care about them. So anyway, they, they asked me all these questions and I literally said to them, I, I embarrassed, I go, I don't know the answer to this. And to this day, I remember, you know, they hired me and, you know, I, I was successful while I was there. And the, they said it's because I was such a sponge and asked a million questions. And unlike all the other guys, I just kept asking, why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you do this? And I admit that I didn't know it all. And I was, cause I was young and I was like, Hey, look, I, I want to learn. And, you know, to keep that going um, and to show that's kind of what I, I want to see out of people who teach and pe people who I learn. That's awesome, man. Uh, so I just want to say thank you for your time. Uh, we just, it's just huge. Um, and I know you have a lot of other stuff going on. So, but just appreciate the time, man. And thank you so much. Uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the listeners out there know what they got, man. Absolutely.